0: Thank you.
1: covenant um, we have jane giving us prelude on as we prepare to worship and look my name's pastor jody look who i have with me it's pastor kath kaminsky from beacon covenant and you see on the bottom of your screen that there's a question there the question is what sport would you compete in if you were in the olympics so kath do you know your answer i want you if Pull up your Facebook chat and start giving an answer to the community question for today as we engage one another on Facebook. Kath, do you know what you would say to the question, what sport? Oh, most definitely.
2: I knew my entire life that I was going to be an Olympic soccer player. An Olympic
1: soccer player. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you want to know what I aspire to do? Oh, yes, please. If I weren't a pastor... I really would like to be Sean White, the redhead that um, <laughs> does the half pipe and all the flips. So I would want to be a snowboarder and do the half compete in the half pipe for the Olympics. Um, someone else. I want to s- I don't see any answers P- put those up there. What sport would you compete in? I asked McKenna who's singing today. You know what she said? What would she say? Kidditch. <laughs> Quidditch. <laughs> Quidditch. Sorry, I said it wrong. Oh no, all you Harry Potter fans. And I'm only on book three. Sorry, Quidditch is what she wants to do.
2: <laughs> Pastor Jody, cause it's Mother's Day. What do you think your mom would compete in? I think my mom. I think she's an Olympic uh, quilter. Yeah. Your mom would be a quilter in the Olympics. Is that a sport? <laughs> My mom,
1: I don't know if she's watching or not, but is there a power walking sport? Yes. she would definitely be the power walker. (laughs) But the problem is, my dad and my mom would compete in the same category in the Olympics, and my dad would probably beat her.
2: Oh, gosh. I
1: think my stepmom would actually probably be an Olympic walker, too. She's training right now for El Camino de Santiago. Okay. So put your answers there in the Facebook chat as we listen and enjoy the prelude. What sport would you compete in if you were in the Olympics? Good morning and welcome. got some great answers there I see Luke and McKenna are going to be on a team together I think we need a few more winter sports so far it's just me and Julie that want to be in the winter olympics do we have anyone else that would be competing in a sport in the winter olympics go ahead and put your answers on the chat thanks
0: Welcome you to worship with us online from First Covenant Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we trust and hope that you will be blessed and encouraged and build up as we uh, worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
2: Again, welcome to First Evangelical Covenant Church of Lincoln. I am Pastor Kath Kaminsky. I am the church planner for Beacon Covenant Church, the sister church of all you here at First Covenant. And it is a privilege to worship with all of you here this morning. I know this isn't what we all hoped for or imagined how to spend this Mother's Day. But let this be an opportunity for us still to gather, even if it's just virtually You know, I've been thinking a lot about all of the things that have shifted and changed and uh, how the unexpected things have impacted. I'll uh, let you in on a little secret. This is not the ideal circumstance for a church plant. All of us are trying to adjust, but what has come to the center of my heart and my conviction is the fact that we still have a mission that God has bestowed on us that we have the privilege of engaging in. And so one of the things I wanted to invite all of you here at First Covenant to is actually a continuation of a ministry that began months before I ever even arrived here in Lincoln. In the fall, we had Dominique Gilliard come to give our congregation a taste of racial righteousness and reconciliation. You know, one of the things in this moment I had been saying, God, you had just been gathering this group of people together who are impassioned about areas of injustice. This is the moment for the church to stand. And then COVID hit. Well, in the last few weeks, I've come to realize that this is the moment for the church to stand. And if anything, COVID has shown a light on some of the areas of injustice in our society. And this is the moment to engage. So this Thursday night at 7 p.m., we're going to have a Zoom conversation about COVID and areas of injustice. And actually, Dominique Gilliard, the author of Rethinking Incarceration, will join us on this call. So information will be sent to you via email. You can also find information on the Beacon Covenant Facebook page. And I think Pastor Evan has some more announcements. Hey everyone, I just to
0: make sure that you knew that you can stay connected at First Covenant Church. We want to keep up this connection with Beacon Covenant Church, so I encourage you to check in with BeaconCovenant.org so you can stay connected. Uh, with them of course and pastor kath is going to be bringing the word today preaching Uh, we want to maintain that connection as much as possible and we love when pastor kath can join us Uh, the ways that you can stay connected so you know this and other things that are going on or if you go to our website first and you go to the latest news tab it's the second tab it's right there it's got everything one-stop shopping For how to stay up to date on our weekly emails, the text updates that come out, all the latest news that we have to offer is all on that one page. And if you want to give to the mission, you can give while you're there. We're glad that you've joined us today in worship. We want to continue worshiping together in song and in word this morning. Let's pray together, or let's sing together.
3: Joseph still my soul.
0: go before the Lord in prayer right now and it's on this day that we celebrate mothers particularly we recognize that a question like what sport would your mother compete in is fun and this day brings a lot of joy and a lot of excitement for some and a lot of pain and sorrow for others and we want to take that all before the Lord in prayer this morning Uh, in first John or third John uh, we read I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth and of course that's the ideal but let's take everything before the Lord that we have in us today that we can lay it at his feet join me in prayer on this day lord we are thankful that you are our creator god you created us you desire to be in close relationship with uh, with us and we are yours at our best we reflect that close family connection those who bear your image listen to your words and reflect your goodness We're thankful today for when things have gone according to your design, when truth has been lived, when your holiness and love are reflected in our lives. We thank you for mothers today, those who have given birth and raised children. We thank you for their energy and devotion, even on difficult days. We also know that things haven't gone according to plan, and there is pain and there's difficulty on this day as well. We lift up to you the broken dreams, the lost lives, children that were never born, though the desire was there and was deep. Lives that were lost in infancy, lives that were lost too young. We think today, uh, especially of the mother of Ahmad Arbery, and we recognize so many like her who grieve today that loss and that injustice. Father, we lift up these and so many other needs to you with the same pain that Rachel felt in Genesis. But we recognize that you are faithful. You are good. And even in pain, difficulty, and longing, even in joy, happiness, and bliss, you are God and you are good. And we come before you with pain and joy, sorrow and excitement, and lay these all at your feet because you love us more than any human love. And you long for us more than any human longing. And you know the joy of bringing a child into this world, and you know the pain of losing a child in this world. Help us find you today. Help us know you today and be known by you today. Bring us under your wing and shelter us. May we know the warmth and joy of being your child. Amen. We're gonna make a little shift. This is now the time for our children's message. So, children, I'm gonna invite you to come up close to the screen if you can, or at least pay attention. All right. Here comes the airplane. Here comes the airplane. Who's ready for some? Anybody? Ah. How many of you remember being fed like that as a little baby? I don't. Probably most of us don't. But you know what? That happened to a lot of us. That when we were little babies, we got fed in really fun and exciting ways. And we probably ate baby food. Are any of you kids still eating baby food now? If you can raise your hand and, and you mean it, you probably aren't eating baby food right now. And it's okay if you are. But, you know, as we grow up, we, we change what we eat. So maybe when we come back to church, some of you would be handed a bag like this of some snacks These aren't just kid food, but they're usually for kids. I still eat them. They're really good. Or maybe uh, as we grow up, we we get into something a little bit more uh, yummy, and uh, we can start eating more grown-up food or big kid food, or this is good for any age, this is my personal favorite, cereal, you never outgrow this. Um, And maybe someday you graduate to something much bigger and meatier, right? (laughs) That's what happens as we grow up. We expect that we're going to eat different things and grow. And we're going to hear this morning from First Peter about identity, but also about growth. And when it comes to when we say yes to Jesus, he wants us to grow. Just as our parents expect us to grow and change what we eat and grow into those foods and things, we might also do the same thing when we learn about Jesus. We might, as a little kid, read out of a kid Bible. Maybe some of you are reading out of kid Bibles even today, and that's great. And as we get a little older, we might read something uh, the next level up or go even on beyond that as grown-ups to read uh, the big kid Bible, basically. But Jesus wants us to grow and mature is the big fancy word for that. And we're going to hear about that this morning, that we're going to because we grow and become more like Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus, we learn new things and we start acting differently. And you know what? We actually start acting like Jesus that's what he wants from us. So we go from milk, Peter says, to maturity, is what he says. Let's pray as we hear, get ready to hear the word. Lord, I thank you that you want more of us than you see today, but you still love us, even with what you see today. Help us grow. Help us grow strong in our bodies. Help us grow strong in our minds. And help us grow strong in our spirits to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. That we would look more like him, be more obedient to him, and show what he looks like to others and how we act towards them to be kind and loving and caring. God, thank you for loving us and being kind to us and caring for us. Amen.
2: Again, good morning. It is my honor to be here and to worship with all of you here. I was so excited when I heard about the series you were going through because I think it is one of the most beautiful things of the church that we give ourselves permission to talk about the things that are hard. Sometimes I feel like society, we put our best foot forward. I mean, if you look at any social mediums across the board, it is our best life. But I don't know about you, I do not feel like I am living my best life in this moment. And that's the thing about First Peter. The author fully acknowledges the hardship, the trials, and the suffering that the congregation is going through. And instead of ignoring them or pushing them to the side, it's a permission to wrestle and to be transformed. And this is actually sort of the series that Beacon Covenant has been going through on a Sunday morning. This idea that in the moment of hardship, we could wrestle with God in our doubts and be transformed and to mature in faith like Pastor Evan just said, or this could be the moment where our our doubt becomes unbelief. And believe me, that is not what Peter wanted for the church in the first century, and that is not what any pastor wants in this moment in the 21st. You know, in the midst of COVID, there's a lot of things that are hard. But I want to acknowledge what Pastor Evan talked about for Mother's Day. Even if you have the best relationship with your mother, maybe you don't get to celebrate with her today. I was actually supposed to fly home to Massachusetts to be able to celebrate not only my mother, but my grandmother and her 100th birthday. Guess what? That party has been canceled. And then I think about others who maybe didn't have the mother that God wanted us to have, that there's a broken relationship there. Or maybe there's a broken relationship between mother and child, and the grief and the weight that exists for those who have always wanted to be mothers, who give of their time and their talents and their life in order to build into the next generation, and yet no one wishes them a happy Mother's Day because society says you have to give birth in order to be a mother. But see, then again, that's the beauty of the church because every single one of us is given the responsibility for building up the next generation. And I do want to acknowledge the loss of Ahmad Arbery's mother. For the injustice that took her son less than three months ago. And the reality that there are many that are grieving the loss of a loved one due to senseless violence. And therefore Mother's Day is not necessarily what was once expected and can come with great sorrow and grief. And why are we talking about this? Because the reality is the church is the place where we discuss the things that are hard. That we go to them face on. And whether that means that we are questioning God in this moment, go to him with your questions. Go to him with your pain. Trust me, he can take it. Because the reality is, this is a whole season of change. And with change comes loss. And with loss comes grief. And we need to express our grief or else lament will express itself some way. And it might not be the healthiest. And the church is the place where we get to wrestle. You know, because in the midst of COVID, there are many different types of losses. There's loss of role Maybe you're used to serving or going to work or being with neighbors. And guess what? That's not the case. We're experiencing as a church a systematic loss. The way we've always worshipped together, we are unable to worship together. Does that change our need to worship? Of course not. Does that change our desire for belonging and community? (laughs) No, it's needed that much more. There's been loss of dreams and possibilities. There's been loss of materials. There's been loss of relationships. And I don't want us to get stuck in a a cycle of grief comparison where we recognize that there are depths of sorrow that people are experiencing. There are some of us that have been inconvenienced and our world feels like it's being flipped upside down. And yet there are also others who have lost their life or their livelihood, or their loved ones. And the question of what the future holds is one that causes great fear and trepidation. You know, again, why I was so excited to share a message in this series about First Peter, and in this passage in particular, is because it is Peter who reminds the congregation who they are in the midst of this crisis. And so I titled this message, Identity in Crisis, but I realized only later that that has a double meaning. That in the midst of hardship, even though these things are external, it can make us question who we are. And therefore we all need to be reminded of who we are. And reminded of the eternal things that do not shift or shake or change in the midst of suffering. We need to remind it, be reminded of our identity that can be our firm foundation, even in the midst of uncertainty and unknown futures. You know, the difference between identity in crisis being a firm foundation and identity in crisis being something that shakes us to our core. I think there's something we can tell from that difference, something we can learn and grasp and really dig into. Because you see, pressure and weight and circumstances, they can make us break down. Or pressure, fire, it can refine us and strengthen us. The difference is what we're made of and what our foundation is. And that's exactly what Peter reminds the church of. You know, someone asked me today, "Oh, you grew up in the church?" <laughs> actually, I said, "No, I, I didn't. My my mom actually brought us to church for as long as she could wrangle three children who did uh, our best to give her a hard time." Again, remember it's Mother's Day. If you're in a situation like that, please give grace to your mother. But in all seriousness. Uh, my mom wrangled us for as long as she could, but it wasn't the church where I first learned about God. It was a covenant camp that introduced me to Jesus. And it was actually a covenant camp that first introduced me to this character of Peter. It was a silly song called "On the Fire, uh, A Fire on the Mountain Tonight." And if you know it, the theology and understanding of God is quite uh, shaky. But here's the verse about peter it said hold on forgive my singing voice peter he denied our lord three times and finally he swore then the cock began to crow and he said how did you know and from that moment peter was a rock now if you're familiar with that story Peter was one of Jesus's followers and also one of his closest friends. And on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he told Peter, "When things get hard, you're going to deny me." And Peter said, "Oh no, of course I'm not." He said, "When things get hard, you're going to deny me 3 times." Now to tell you the truth, when I first heard this song, And the cock began to crow, and he said, how did you know? And from that moment, Peter was a rock. I thought God turned Peter into a rock to punish him. You think I'm kidding? It was actually, it was sadly, it was many years before I realized that is not the story that happened in the Bible. No, the fact was, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of persecution, when all of his dreams and expectations of the future were on shaky ground because Jesus had been arrested and was going to be crucified, even though Peter doubted and denied Jesus, it was a moment that allowed him to become the rock in which Jesus also told him he would become. That he would be so certain in his faith that no matter what would come his way in the future, he would trust in God and in Christ and in the promise that he was given. And you know, the thing about hardship is it does bring transformation. And I believe that this transformation was lifelong for Peter. Because when he speaks to this church later, years and years and years later. Actually, this isn't a a letter written to just one church. This was a letter that was circulated to all of the churches. And he, once again, brings them back to the truth. That even though there are hardships, who they are, who God tells them they are, This is something that is certain and unshakable. So let's look at this letter. This letter that was written to a church in the moment of persecution. A letter that was written to a congregation that was most likely uh, Gentile believers. Meaning they did not come from a Jewish background where they would have understood the promises of God. In fact, they were people that were so far from God, and now their lives were transformed in faith. And the hardship and persecution and the suffering they're experiencing, it wasn't from the authorities, it was from their community, from their neighbors, from their loved ones that did not understand their faith or their new life. And so Peter writes them this letter in order to remind them of the journey, like Pastor Evan mentioned earlier, this idea that faith is about maturity and that we are not just transformed in a moment of redemption, yes, but there's also then a journey of being made more like Christ. And in the midst of things that are hard, being transformed and remembering who we are, this is what gets us to maturity. And this is why Peter wrote the letter, to remind them of their identity, and remind them of their purpose. So if you have a Bible, or I I imagine you all are on the internet, maybe you can grab out your phone and go to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 2. This is the verse which Pastor Evan referenced earlier. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that they might grow up in the salvation, now... That you have tasted that the Lord is good. It's a reminder that faith is a journey. And that journey is about discipleship and growth and change. Not to simply just remain as we were that first moment we heard about the promise of Jesus Christ. About the good news of abundant life here and now and in the life to come. It's a reminder that who we are because of faith transforms the circumstances around us. And it's a journey that starts with remembering who we are. So who does Peter want the church to remember who they are? Let's take a look in verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. So first, who are we? We have to remember who Christ is. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do not underestimate the importance of these words. You see, Paul is doing something absolutely revolutionary and the fact he is merging together the idea of God's dwelling place and the people of God to one, meaning as people of faith we now, like Christ, are also living stones with the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and are being built together as the church. Right now, more than ever, we know that the church is not a building. The church is the people of God living into our identity and purpose. So what is that identity? Verse 5, or verse 6, for scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builder rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that Makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which they also, which also what they have been destined for. You have to remember the people hearing this message were born into families that did not have faith. That when they hear about those who followed or those who would leave, those who walked and those who would stumble, they were the ones on the outside. But now, in these next few verses, you will see that the promises that were given to Israel, the people of God, are now extended to all those who put their faith in Christ Jesus as Lord. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is who they were, and this is who they are. And while the world around them might be putting pressure on them, or questioning their beliefs and their lifestyle, the reality is that this transformation not only gives them a new identity, but it calls them into a higher purpose. You see, the people of God were not simply blessed, but they were blessed to be a blessing. Sorry, I'm getting really excited. When it came, think about that. It's not just about who we are, but our identity in Christ also calls us to a purpose and a mission that is far greater than we could ever imagine. And the thing about that is, right now, when everything seems uncertain, when there are hardships that we do not even know the full extent of, when we think about the future and the thing before us is uncertainty, we can be lost in that. We can understand why the weight and pressure can make us feel like we're breaking down. But the thing about our identity in Christ is not only does it give us strength for this moment, it gives us a hope that is certain. And that's the thing right now in this moment as the church, because our mission has never been more important. Our purpose has never been more clear that our neighbors are hurting and we have hope to share. Sure. The methods of which we have always done church might be shifting, but the purpose for which we are called the church has never shifted or changed. And let us not be fooled into thinking that because the things we are know, have known are called into question, that somehow calls us into question. Right now, you're sitting at your home's And you're not in a pew, gathered together as a family. But that does not change the fact that you are a family. That does not change the fact that God has called you to something greater than what this world tells you you have before you. That while there are uncertainties that abound, we also have a God who is calling us to bring forth the kingdom of God in this moment. Are there areas of injustice that you are seeing because of COVID? Guess what? As a person of faith, as people of faith, it is our sacred duty and responsibility to respond. Are there areas where you see mercy is lacking? You have been given mercy, therefore share mercy. Are there areas in which you see chaos? Be the presence of peace. And again, I think one of the things I want us to acknowledge is that this letter was written to a community. This isn't about all of us standing in our own strength. This is about us being the people of God together. Knowing that in us, because of the Holy Spirit, God dwells and we go forth in His power. Because that is who He says we are. In the midst of of crisis know who God says you are you know what in these next few weeks and these next few months as society starts to open up as we create a new norm I think this is a pivotal moment and an opportunity for the church because for a long time we have been guilty of slumbering in a comfortable place. We've allowed worship to be about the method and not about the mission. We've allowed the expression of our faith to be about our desires and our wants instead of about what God has called us to be. And we have an opportunity to shake off the dead grass to weed out the things that distract us that we do for our own comfort. I can't imagine what it was like for the church that Peter was writing to. But I know they had a question before them. Do they give in to the pressures around them? Or do they remember who they are and move forward in mission? You know what? Considering it's Mother's Day, let me put it this way to finish. Again, the beauty of the church is that we are all responsible for the well being, the development, and passing on the faith to the next generation. Yeah, worship band, please do come back up. All of us today get to be a part of the development of the next generation. So, what do you want to pass on to the future church? And what example? Can we set, not in our strength, not in who the world says we are, but in the identity as God's chosen people, his royal priesthood, once who were stranger and and who are now the family of God? Let us think about that. Pray with me. Almighty God, when we were lost, you found us. And when we were infants, you gave us what we needed to mature and come to an understanding of you, who you've called us to be, and where you're calling us to go. I pray that in the midst of this holy disturbance of a time where there is uncertainty, we would make sure that you are our foundation, that we would know that we are a chosen people because you have chosen us. And let our lives be an expression of praise and faith. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kath, for that message. You know, based on Jesus' proclamation, I would have to believe that Peter was one of the original rock stars, and that if he'd have had a band, it would have been called the Living Stones. And uh, we get a part to be a part of that band where living stones built together to become his church and represent him in our communities and the world around. So um, I'm grateful for that. Please join me in our last song here.
3: Great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. by still waters into mercy, mercy. and nothing can can keep us apart.
2: My friends, we have a purpose no matter how the world changes. Remember who God says we are. These are the words of Peter. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare praises to him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen.